This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so excited to be here with my guest, Jess Taylor. I had been feeling an intuitive pull towards learning more about embodiment, and so Jess and I got connected, and I cannot wait to learn everything from her. So welcome, Jess. Can you introduce yourself? So my name is Jessica Taylor. I am the owner of Conjured Glow Spiritual Consulting, and I am a trained Reiki master and womb light master and teacher. And I help women reconnect to their divine feminine and wake up their femininity. I love that. I'm so curious to just hear all about womb light. I know for people listening, they maybe um, have a very intimate connection with their womb. If they have recently gone through the mothering process or are identifying as females and have monthly cycles and all of that. But tell me everything about that, how that came to be and, and related to you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I connected with Nicole, who's the creator, Nicole Openshine uh, of Womblight. She created this in 2020. And um, it's really a combination of her her Reiki practice plus her NLP practice and really bringing the subconscious mind into the energy healing space. So where Reiki is very much where you lay down on the table or you sit and you, and you just receive, womb light is an active participation for both the client and the practitioner. So you can, you do these sessions and they're, they're womb cleansing, but also removing blockages that would cause you from conceiving or having healthy pregnancies. That's kind of how it started with the birth worker world um, because she was having fertility issues Mm. and this, she got this divine download on what this modality should be. It worked for her. And so she started, you know, sharing it and this, this ripple effect of women started, right? There's this huge sisterhood. That's like probably 800 members strong on Facebook and she's got an even bigger following on Instagram. And there are, um, I think eight master teachers, which is what I am. So that's a a year long process of learning these modalities and learning these subconscious language techniques and, um, putting them into practice, not only with your clients' lives, but also in your own life. So for me personally, I was done having babies by then, by the time I found her and I have used it personally to clean out trauma, to remove um, blocks that were keeping me from receiving things that were for my highest good. I started my business the same time I started working with her and I definitely would not be where I am today with my confidence, my creativity, my, um, my fire, my passion without this modality. Because all of that is contained in, in our womb. In the, yeah, the womb is the creation center, right? And whether you have a physical womb or you relate more to the sacral chakra, right. it's still creation and confidence and your passions. And, and so when you're talking about removing blockages, you're talking about from the energetic perspective, yes. just to be clear for people yes, listening, yes. Not, no medical right. anatomy type things here. This is all energetic and spiritual. But it can feel the same. Oh yeah, absolutely. So what does it feel like for you when you've had these energetic blocks? Very stagnant in my whole life. Like nothing's moving right? Nothing's going as fast as I want it to, which is very much ego, masculine brain, right? And once the, once I've had these sessions or I've done the work on myself, I realize that 
along with the, um, the physical symptoms of an energetic release, going to the bathroom more, sinus flow, crying, that kind of thing, um, things started moving faster in, in my daily life, like things that hadn't moved, like um, I was feeling stuck on a project for my business, for my courses. And then within a couple weeks after my session, it was like, it all kind of trickled together and it just happened. And I looked back and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize how far I had come even just in a couple months. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely, there's this, there's the physical release. And a lot of that can seem scary because it brings up old traumas and, Mm -hmm. but that's how we release, right? It's it has to come up to the surface. It's a lot of shadow work that goes into that too. And I think it really helped me realize that shadow work is not a scary place to be in. Shadow work is actually the meat of it because if you're shining light on those shadows and you're able to accept yourself completely, then you can integrate your light and your shadows to this beautiful place of harmony within yourself. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of what, just my whole path has been right. is really accepting and teaching other women to accept. And finding the flow, as you're saying. And I imagine that a lot of it is as the womb really, you know, cycle flows from that, understanding the different seasons and cycles of things. Yes, there is a whole section in each class we teach it's one of the pillars is cycle sovereignty. And that is owning where you are in your cycle and all of the, all of the different ebb and flow of that, all four phases. And whether you have a flow or not, you know, a lot of times we meet women who have already stopped their flow or, um, or they have, you know, they're on hormonal birth control and that stops it. So we connect in with the moon for those women. And it's this beautiful connection because you see, you know, between your womb and the moon, there's such this, there's such a deep tie between these phases and where you would normally bleed in relation to a moon cycle can really enlighten you on how to take care of yourself. So it's just giving, it's giving these women this power and control back and letting them see the beauty of our bleeds and that, that beautiful cycle. It's so fascinating to me because just in talking to you, the difference between this way of living and learning and experiencing life could not be farther away from the masculine material, capitalist, testosterone-driven way of being. And it is just really fascinating that two different creatures can exist, coexist, and how our foundations can be either similar or different, but that we really do like function in completely different ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's so beautiful, right? When you realize that this is this is possible. Living in this feminine way where you're in flow, not only with yourself, but others and the earth and the moon and all of the energy around you. When you're so receptive to that and you can you can appreciate the ebb and flow instead of fight against it, which is the masculine way to do it, then we have been doing it for years for mm-hmm thousands of years or ignoring it altogether and pretending it doesn't exist. Exactly. I mean, most of the women that are in their thirties and forties right now, they were brought up to hate their cycle. They were brought up to think it's disgusting and dirty and, you know, all of these negative things, shameful. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I found out that it's one of the Slavic languages. I can't remember exactly what it is, but the pubic bone then the Slavic name for the pubic bone means shame bone. Wow. And this, yeah. And the Slavic name for the, um, for the actual vagina is sheep. So it's very, you know, women are supposed to be shamed. Women are supposed to be 
there for masculine disposal. And so we're kind of changing that paradigm in a really cool and gentle way, you know, in a feminine way. Right. Oh, I first of all, I have like my truth tingles. I have my little <laughs> goosebumps all over the place. I do too. Cause it's, oh, I love that. <laughs> it's just so refreshing and it's just, it's so expansive. And I'm so excited for people listening to be able to hear this that have come up in, in a family or in a certain community conditioning that it has felt like you have to be masculine in order to succeed in life, in order to succeed in business. You know, if you get emotional or if you feel sensitive, then you're hysterical, you're dramatic, you're, you know, you're all of these negative connotations. And it's really been a reclamation for me over the past few years to know that my sensitivity is my superpower. My ability to feel and sense and know and experience all of these waves of emotion and understanding and intuition is part of what makes me my magical self. And trying to fit into this conformity of structure and discipline and, you know, I have to do this to get ahead and I have to do this because what if somebody sees me cry or what if somebody knows that I'm not perfect is it's such a sham. I mean, come on people, like let's, (laughs) what are we doing? I, I teach a lot in my, in my courses in, because I focus on reconnection, right? It's not learning something new. It's remembering right? It's remembering who we are, remembering who we came from and where we came from. So I was doing some research on the gynocratic age, which is before patriarchy, right? Where things were um, matriarchy based, Mm. right? The women were seen as healers and medicine women, and they were the ones that controlled everything because they were seen as these mystical, magical beings that brought life into the world. But then when the shift happened to patriarchy is the same time that medical science caught up with how babies are created Mm. and knowing that a man was vital for that. So then it became property, right? This child is my property. This wife, my wife is my property. That's when dowries and everything started. Because they became controlling of it. Exactly. So that masculine, we tipped from way feminine to way masculine and that's the way it's been for you know as far back as we can remember right and I'm sure that coincides with the women then becoming witches and persecution of people for power and other things that men did not understand yeah these women were you know like I said the medicine healers of their tribes right and their, their towns and everything. And then they became the crazy ones, right? You know, and even now what we do in this enlightened state of our businesses is still very strange. Mm. You know, it's, it's waking up. There's been huge leaps and bounds, especially like in the coaching space and and allowing people to talk about their spirituality, being the witch aesthetic has become like a complete fad. Yeah, it's so popular. And it's funny, I'm glad you mentioned that because I personally don't feel connected to it. I love that it exists. I love that there is a spectrum and that there is a range. It's not something, and maybe it's just that I haven't allowed myself to go there yet. Maybe it's something that will come in my future, but I'm so grateful that it's out there, you know, for people that feel, and for people that are listening that have no idea what we're talking about, there definitely is this movement in groups and on social and in merchandise that's very covenant, witchy, um, progressive, really reclaiming this idea of the witch modality. Yeah. I mean, look how, look how popular and almost masculine tarot cards have become there's a if you have any kind of niche of what you want to you know like I have I have a Disney villains tarot card deck there's something there's cat tarot card decks whatever your 
fancy is, you can find a deck in that in that realm instead of it being such a closed practice like it used to be where you had to be gifted a deck and it could only be this, you know, the Rider White traditional decks. Now it's everybody, you can buy them at Spencer's and, right. you know, TJ Maxx and stuff like that. So it makes it more available, but there's also the masculine side of it where, oh, well, if it's available, then I can claim it and I don't have to do the research on it. You know, I just do it myself. So the closed practices are opening up and we just have to be careful that it's not appropriated, that it's honored. Right. Well, because then it gets so watered down and then it's, there's a lack of transparency and really a lack of honoring those who have carefully studied and, and have honed their craft and have cultivated a practice based on true honoring and intuition and guidance and education. And obviously it should be accessible to everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody should be able to learn and play, but for people that are, are listening and really considering how to start to reclaim that feminine side, I would love to hear your guidance on maybe some gentle or easy tips. One thing that I'm doing, and I have a 12-year-old daughter and a, and a 10-year-old son um, when this comes out, is to start just talking about my cycle and say, mm-hmm. oh, I have a little belly cramp. I have my cycle. Just things like that to sort of take away the stigma of this is something that happens to mom every month. This is something that's going to happen to you. This is going to something that's going to happen to your girlfriend and your wife. And, you know, even for my husband to be like, yeah, this is something that I own. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to whisper about or held in the corners. It's like, yeah, it's my time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basic anatomy, right? <laughs> Why it's are we basic, afraid to talk about it's it? anatomy and physiology? I mean, it's, it's biology 101, you know, these are the things that happen. And I think removing that stigma of, oh, we have to do this in hushed tones or, you know, like being in high school and having to stuff your tampon in your sleeve to just to walk to the bathroom because nobody can know that I'm bleeding right now. It's removing those types of stigmas and really normalizing this is a female's body and this is what our body goes through, just like we would with a man. And just like we would, if you were having problems with your heart, Mm. you would go see a cardiologist. There's no shame. And this kind of ties into mental health too, which is a big thing for, for my business and, and the way I function is, you know, if you broke your arm, you'd go see a um, orthopedist. If there's something going on in your brain or your womb or, or emotionally, you go see that doctor. It's just health. It's just anatomy physiology. There's no shame to really be had when you break it all down around the, what our bodies function and how our bodies function. And so where do you think that stems from when people continue with all the information that we have and all this awakening and all of this knowledge, where where does that shame come from and how can people start to open that up and shift away from that? Oh, it's absolutely our conditioning. It's, it's our parents and our grandparents and the way they were brought up, you know, things that they passed down to us. Like my, the women in my family have always had painful periods. So I grew up knowing I was going to be quote unquote blessed with, you know, with this painful thing that happens to me every month. So when you grow up and you're already expecting the worst out of your adulthood, you just, Mm -hmm. you just become okay with it. You know, this is the way it is. I feel like this generation is starting to wake up to is that it doesn't have to be that way. Just because it's been like that for hundreds of years, doesn't mean it has to be that way. Now we think about even just leaps and bounds in technology and how far we've come. We don't use landlines anymore. 
Nobody said, oh, we have to keep a landline. We have to keep this mentality and this connection and not go into cell phones. Things are supposed to change. Things are supposed to evolve into more efficient practices. So once we, once we allow ourselves to open up to that change, your whole mentality can shift and you break through all of this conditioning that's been just buried on top of you just years after years after years after years. And it's not just family, it's also social media and the way they teach health education and schools where they separate the boys and the girls, you know, cause they don't think the boys can handle it. <laughs> no, they need to know that it's, it's okay. Your son's 10, my son's 11. And we talk about it. We absolutely talk about it. And my daughter's free. And so she'll come up, you know, knowing to love her cycle mm. and not see it as this, this scary, big, bad monster that, that comes around every month. How have you been able to get in touch with your body in that deeper way? Being able to discern what is other people's energy, what is other people's conditioning versus what your body is feeling and experiencing? Yeah, so that's a great question. That's a heavy question. <laughs> you know, as just go there, right? <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's great. I love it. Let's let's just dive. <laughs> um, for me, embodiment was a really big part of my healing process. Getting in touch with my body and not just my cycle, but that was a big part of it. But just understanding how emotions felt in my body, that was kind of the turning point for me. I used to dance all the time. I danced all through elementary school, middle school, high school. I was in, I was always performing, you know, and then college hit and life becomes harder because now you're an adult, right? And I would go dance at the clubs and stuff, but it wasn't the consistency that I had been practicing. 10, 15 years later, when I am now uh, divorced and trying to figure out who I am again, right? As a single mom with two kids, dance pretty much saved my life. It was so scary to me to even begin to dance. Like I, I felt like my feet weighed a thousand pounds each, mm. right? I felt like I could not move. It was so scary. There was such a big block between me and starting to dance again because I knew my subconscious knew what was going to open up. It was going to rip all of the band-aids off. So I think feeling that and trusting that you know your body better than anyone else and just the self-acceptance, the radical self-acceptance of okay, this is what fear feels like in my body. This is what stress feels like in my body. This is what happiness feels like in my body. It's a lot of subconscious um, neuro-linguistic programming, you know, that comes into this. I, I got passed down a modality. It's called the fuck yes or the fuck no. Mm -hmm. With human design, we talk about that a lot, um, particularly for generators and manifesting generators who have the sacral authority, meaning that it is very much, we call, you know, we say hell, hell yes, or hell no feeling mm. of this is right. This is not right. And I really coach my clients through how to reactivate that sacral response, how to reconnect with that. And particularly when they land in that neutral space in between and helping them from that emotional mindset conditioning to shift those into the no column. And so, yeah, I'm super excited to hear what you're going to say about this. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is exactly that. So you get into a meditative state and the person guiding the meditation takes you to a moment where you felt like you were on cloud nine, like nothing can hurt you. You're as confident as you're ever going to be in your entire life and everything feels aligned and everything just has that magical um, alignment around it. And you, you visualize the colors, the smells, what you're doing, who's around you, how vivid it is. Then 
you break that, you break that screen, right? You clear that screen and then you go into your no moment, which is a place where you felt completely out of alignment, completely self-conscious, anxious, whatever feelings you want to put on that. And you feel how it feels in your body. So for me, my yes moment was dancing around the fire at my favorite festival with the drummers Mm. and just feeling like I was floating, right? Everything's real vivid and like oranges and reds and yeah, the drums are pounding. Oh, I can totally picture it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, (laughs) the night, the night sky, the full moon, like, you know, surrounded by people that I love and that love me back. And then my no moment was that dissociation that comes from relationship abuse and feeling that freeze of seeing something happen in front of you that you want to fix, you want to get up and say no, but you've been so conditioned by your abuse that you can't and you feel like you're made of cement and everything is real gray. And like, so that's my, that's my dichotomy mm, of my yes a big and no. range. Yeah, yeah. So if it doesn't feel anything close to what my yes feels like, it's a no. Mm-hmm. And this isn't for little things like, oh, should I do laundry today? You know, right? right. <laughs> no, <laughs> right, right. It's always going to be no, right? It's always going to yeah. be no. But this is for big things like, should I move to another state? Should I change jobs? Is this person the right person for me to be with? You have to do that evaluation and you have to be in tune with your body to be able to move forward in an aligned way, or you're just going to be spinning your wheels. Right. And spending time living a life that might look great on paper and might even bring some happiness some of the time, yep. but not truly be soul fulfilling. And I think that that is a place that a lot of people struggle. We, we live in a place of good enough. Yeah. And I think that for people who have been able to recognize that and acknowledge that and fight in whatever way is, is appropriate in their life to break out of that, it is just the ultimate in empowerment and encourage. I talked about this on my solo cast that released this week. It's funny that you mentioned your, your beautiful scene because the theme for this month that I pulled was the drum and it was Mm. all about your rhythm and finding your rhythm and finding flow and stepping into courage and, and reframing what courage is. And so this is just such a beautiful synchronicity of choosing yourself again and again, when everything and everyone around you might not be supporting that choice. Yep, exactly. I quit my corporate job and finalized my divorce in the same week Yeah, and then celebrated my son's 10th birthday that weekend. So it was like complete total shift, right? Of energy, this very, this life of what I was expected to do, you know, marriage, full-time job benefits, you know, two, two kids house and a car, all of that. Right. To I'm going to take some time off from that. I'm going to be a single mom of two. And then a month later I started my business Mm. because I had that time. I, I threw everything else away. Right. You know, emotionally, even physically, I did a huge clean out. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's huge. Definitely. Yeah. When we, when my husband and I split, everything got put into like a 10 by 10 storage unit. My kids and I had moved in with friends, so we didn't have a whole lot of space. Right. I went in and got all of my sentimental stuff, like the kids, baby books and all that. And I left him everything else. I basically rebuilt from just our clothes and toys and our, and my sentimental like family heirlooms. That was it. I, I just needed that, that 180 almost to kind of just start back from square one and build the life I wanted versus the life I was expected to have. That's you know? so amazing. And thank I mean, you. So inspirational. I'm just sitting here 
feeling so much in awe of your courage and your bravery and just so grateful that you have been able to be in this experience with so much awareness and so much intentionality and that you are now in a position to be able to be that that way shower for other people because I do think we feel many of us that it's too late yep. we don't really deserve mm-hmm. it everything's good enough if I do not fight every day to reaffirm who I am to recommit to who I want to be, to what I want in this life, to what my values are, to what my priorities are. There is a a sea that we are swimming against in order to find our way through. Mm -hmm. And, And that's why I feel so empowered and passionate about sharing my experiences and, and my thoughts on it, because I know how many people are out there who want, who are looking for that little beacon in, in this crazy sea to remind them that they're worth it, that they are entitled, that they have the power within them to continue to, to swim in a different direction when it doesn't feel like that message is always being received. Right. Exactly. There's so many times that I've just had to fight past conditioning and ego, you know, to do what I'm called to do versus what I'm expected to do by society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not a perfect equation right? <laughs> by any means. It never stops. Right. That's, oh my gosh. I know. I think that that is definitely a common um, misunderstanding that people think, oh, okay. When you live more consciously or you live more mindfully, it's just all roses and smooth sailing. (laughs) No, it's, it's probably like, I don't want to, I don't want to say worse, but you, you feel everything so much more intensely, Mm, but it's so worth it. Oh my gosh. It is like, it's it to me. And I'm curious how you would describe it. It's really like tuning that channel to get the crispest sound, the clearest, brightest, boldest color. It's just, it's experiencing life in a different dimension, which Mm -hmm. I know people listening, if you've heard of 3D or 4D or 5D, maybe um, you're just learning what that is, but that truly is, it's it's a change in frequency. It's a change in where you are. Yeah, it's cutting out the noise. Right. You know, and that can be very scary because that noise is comforting. That noise Mm -hmm. makes you feel cozy and safe and, and protected. And well, I'm just one of a million people and I'm just one of a billion people. And, and it can be isolating to feel like you are different or you are experiencing something that maybe you don't feel comfortable sharing or maybe you don't know how other people are going to receive it and there are so many people who are exactly like you and are hearing and feeling and sensing and seeing things differently so speak up and you will all of a sudden realize that you are absolutely not alone that more and more people are searching for a different way oh exactly exactly and that was kind of my thing I always felt like because I'm still in therapy. I still, you know, take mental health medication. You know, it, like I said, it's not a perfect science. It's, it's working every day. Like you said, to affirm that you're supposed to be here. You know, you're supposed to be doing the things that you're doing. And even if it doesn't have a daily payout, the, in the long run, you know, cause some days are just rough, right? Mm. You are all in your feels, can't get, you know, it's, yeah. that awakening is not all sunshine and rainbows. Well, even that, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is such a perfect example of conditioning where we feel like every day something magical is supposed to happen or, you know, every day is one step up in the staircase. Like that's conditioning. That's Mm -hmm. somebody that has sold us a story of what it's quote unquote supposed to be like. And so I'm curious because you had mentioned conditioning and ego, how you are able to discern what's ego, what's conditioning versus what is truth for you. 
for me, it's how it feels in my body. If it feels heavy, Mm. that's usually, and this is not, like I said, it's not an exact science by any means. This is not medical advice, you know, (laughs) but if it feels heavy and I feel weighed down by whatever I'm supposed to be doing, Mm. then that feels like ego and conditioning to me. If it it feels heavy, like stress like pressure and I'm so I cannot tell you how beautiful this conversation is because this is this always happens everybody who is listening always knows that this happens that I have these beautiful guests (laughs) on and the the surrounding synchronicities are so magical I have had so many conversations this week about finding what's easy, doing what feels good, sussing out, like, am I feeling pressure because I'm afraid of this or because it feels hard or is it because it's just not aligned for me? So, oh my gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) I teach in my, in my classes, I teach my clients the beauty of the pause to say, instead of just reacting to everything going on in your life, and get, you know, getting bad news, getting good news, whatever it is, because it always happens every day, right? It's every day is different. So if you can recondition yourself or uncondition yourself, I guess, to step back a second and say, and ask yourself those questions, where is this coming from? Am I feeling stressed because I'm doing something that's expected of me? Or am I feeling stressed because I'm out of alignment? where do I feel it in my body? Can I move that emotion through my body? That goes even deeper into embodiment because emotions are just energy in motion. If you don't dwell on it, Mm -hmm. it'll pass within 20 seconds. So I've avoided many a panic attack (laughs) by taking this pause and saying, am I making this decision from a place of ego and conditioning, or am I making it from a place of beauty and grace and flow and alignment. Sometimes that conversation with myself is a minute long. Sometimes it's two or three days. So it's allowing yourself the grace and the space to take that pause and step back and say, whoa, wait a minute, something is off here. Is it my fear being triggered or is it my alignment being triggered? And if if you can push it one way or the other, if it, if you, you know, almost a mental pros and cons list, Mm -hmm. right. If you can tip the scale one way or the other, then you can react accordingly. Okay. If it's my fear, then maybe I need to take some time and figure out why this is triggering me. If it's out of alignment, I need to take a moment to figure out how I can reframe this to where it is in alignment. Mm-hmm. Or do I just step away completely? Right. Or do I not do it? Right. Right. Exactly. And it goes back to like how it feels in your body. Right. And that's one thing that I love about somatics in general is being able to move those emotions through your body. You know, think about if you're really anxious and you're shaky, how good does it feel to just jump around? Mm-hmm. Right. How good does it feel when you're stressed to just stretch? Something as simple, not even doing a full yoga thing, because I, I have tried to do yoga and I think the, I think the structure is what gets me. Mm. I'd rather just get on the floor and do what feels good for my body, you know? And if that means stretching for five minutes or sometimes an hour or two while I'm watching TV or whatever, it's still movement being really conscious about movement as a form of meditation. That is what helped me physically. Mm, And doing what feels good to your body. Exactly. I'm sorry. A stair stepper does not feel good to my body. Right. You know, walking (laughs) on a, walking on a treadmill for 20 minutes does not feel good to my body, but taking a walk through the woods with my kids or dancing around my kitchen while I cook dinner, doing some weird stretch on the couch because it feels good for that body part that day. That's what feels good. And I teach that to my kids too. There's basic skills you need to learn, right? But it doesn't have to look like everybody else's life. We get to choose what our life looks like. And I think that's the root of it all is having that sovereignty to say, my life is going to be my life and no one else's. 
Hmm. And it takes awareness and patience and practice and dedication and and really this ability to decide that you want to know yourself, decide Mm -hmm. that you want to love yourself and put yourself as a priority above all these other roles and identities and pressures. And again, I think that is such a feminine draw that we have to question where we fit in our life versus for the masculine side who just does what they're going to do and doesn't have to consider all of these other aspects of being it's just much more matter of fact for them and it's funny because i almost think that that it's like that works as a pro and a con for them on the one hand they just take what they want. They just move forward. We should be doing a lot more of that. Like they yes. don't question like, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to do it. On the other hand, I think that it, it just is on our nature to let it flow through, let it filter and let it integrate and see where we come out so that we are in the highest alignment. It's all a balance, right? Yeah. Everything that happens to you, to me, to our the listeners, whoever or wherever, it's all a balance. You have to have a healthy dose of masculine and a healthy dose, dose of feminine. But the key word there is healthy, you know, and that structure and taking what's mine and I'm entitled to this because I'm a man, you know, that mentality is not where we want to be. We want women to feel comfortable enough to take up space and ask for things that they need and ask for things that they want and ask for the life that they want without being seen as a bitch or a bully or bossy or right, aggressive. No, we're not being bossy. Yeah. <laughs> we're just being, we're just acting the same as men act. Right. You know, and I think about like eighties power suits, mm. right? The big shoulder pads and I have to be, you know, first person at the meeting, last person to leave. I have to do all these masculine things to show up and be respected, right? Why can we not be respected totally in our feminine? Right. Well, and I think it's interesting because with the pandemic, I think that pre-pandemic, if you asked a lot of people, they would think that, that both genders were the same. You Mm -hmm. show up at work, you do your thing, everything's fine. Women have so much more disproportionately been affected by the pandemic as it relates to having to quit jobs, having to do the majority of the homeschooling, of managing the house. For a lot of men, almost nothing changed. Even if they were all of a sudden working from home instead of going to an office, that that shouldering, that responsibility of, of the home, of the children, of being the flexible parent, of being the default parent, of having to quit because you couldn't balance it all, that fell on women's shoulders. Oh, it's absolutely. like all of a sudden the, the pandemic re-highlighted the fact that it has never been the same. We might've shown up in the same way at the same place and gotten paid less for the same job. However, <laughs> The situation that we now know all to be true is that it has always fallen on the women in a relationship or in life in general to bear the responsibility for those things at a disproportionate level. Yeah. You said default parent and my heart was just like, oh yes, that's exactly what it is. As a single mom, my my kids' um, fathers are not involved at all. Like it's just me and the kids. So I am that default parent it's really, it's divine timing, right? Because I left my marriage three months before the world shut down. If I had stayed, I wouldn't be here sitting and talking to you. I wouldn't be on this earth anymore because I was that close. Mm. I was, I was that close to saying, I, I can't anymore. Thankfully have come out of those suicidal ideations since leaving him. And so I know, I know what it's like 
to be so overwhelmed that you don't see any way out except for not being here anymore. And I think that that is such a deep ping in so many women's psyches Mm -hmm. that we don't shine enough light on is that shouldering of the load and the majority of the mental load, not just the physical load, but the mental load. You know, husband's asking, well, where are these pants? Well, I folded them and put them in your drawer. Well, I can't find them. And then you go and you find them in two seconds, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) I love the memes of like the man standing in front of the refrigerator or standing in front of the cabinet. It's like, yeah, it's in there. You can find it. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. So, I mean, I had all of that plus being the breadwinner because my, my husband wasn't working at the time. So he was doing the stay at home thing with the kids, but both of my children were neglected. Both of my children were being abused you know, I was being neglected and abused. We had gotten evicted from three different places in two years because of him. I finally, like when we got the notice that we were getting evicted from the last place, I was like, I threw my hands up. I said, I cannot do this anymore. And I didn't even know about what was going on while I was at work until just within the last year or so as my son is healing and bringing me these stories. So yeah, we have a long road ahead of us. And that's why I'm saying like, it's not, there's no perfect equation of what it's supposed to look like and and how long it's supposed to take to heal and reach this state of enlightenment. It's a constant journey. Because it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. What a powerful and just inspirational story. My heart is so full of love for you and what you've experienced and just a tremendous amount of appreciation for you and all of the people that you serve that you have made it to this point on your path and are such a beautiful teacher and guide and and helper for other people who are experiencing any number of things. And, and that's the other thing. And I'm so, I'm so grateful that you shared your experience because I think that trauma as, as a word has a lot, has a lot of baggage with it and a lot of connotations. And I think that as a people, as a humanity, just to understand that there are so many people who are experiencing trauma every single day on varying levels and whether it be, you know, the capital T trauma, worst case scenarios that we experience or, or the smaller traumas that over the course of day by day are equally as hurtful and painful and, and just soul wrenching. It's just a perfect example of you do not know what is going on with anybody at any time. And so can we just extend people grace and love and compassion? And I mean, what are we doing to each other? Yeah. And all we're doing is re-triggering the things that we're all little children in grown-up bodies, you know? And then we're we're treating our little children like they're grownups. Exactly. Exactly. My, my family is so surprised. They understand it now, but it was very strange to them that I don't, I don't spank my children. I don't punish my children in the traditional ways. Like, yeah, I'll take away electronics or something. If some chores aren't being done or something like that. It's the only, it's the only currency that matters. (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. Totally. You take away that tablet, things get done. Oh yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But it's this, I actually converse with my children. You know, it's a, Hey, it looks like you're having a hard day today. Did something happen? Is there something you want to talk about? And that's the reason you're having a hard time getting your things done or you're having a hard time focusing or, you know, you didn't do good on this test. Let's talk about why. And it's not perfect. I still yell. And I've still slipped up on the spank just from my conditioning, right? you know, of that's how I was raised was it was punishment and spanking. And I didn't want my kids growing up like that. Yeah. I didn't want my kids to live in fear of me. The way I parent and the way I live my life is completely radical to my family. They don't understand it. They're starting to, right? you know, cause I've just gone ahead and done it. 
<laughs> right? And it's and never too late to, to break the cycle, to change what you're doing. Every okay. single day mm-hmm. you can decide, I'm, I messed up. I don't want to do that again. I'm going to choose differently. I mean, that's what yes. we want for our children. And yeah, absolutely. And it, it's so funny because in some ways we make it so complicated and it is complicated. It is work. It is like we were talking about this entire conversation. It's choices that you make. It's also so much easier than we make it out to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like when, you know, we were talking about with the pause, if you can take that two seconds to say, to, to reclaim your body and your responses mm-hmm. to the stimulus around you. Cause that's a lot of what it is, is because trauma doesn't, it's, it's not from your brain. It's this visceral reaction. It's your body. You know, and I think that's a big misconception that people have because they talk about how you can control your emotions, but trauma responses you, it takes a long time to get control. And a lot of that control, it comes from learning what happens when you're triggered mm. and why things are triggering you. This thing that happened at work made me feel like a little girl getting in trouble and made me feel like I need to be punished. And now I feel like I, now I feel unworthy. Right. Right. And people have to follow the breadcrumbs and, and that is hard work. It's so incredible that you're bringing this up because I had an experience a few weeks ago where I admittedly started crying over a box of scissors that my husband wanted to put in the giveaway pile. And I did not want to. And (laughs) so I started crying and my children are like, are you crying over scissors. And I was like, I am crying over the scissors because, and I went on to explain mostly to my husband, because my children had vacated. This is the scene (laughs) that growing up and experiencing, we had lived through hurricane Andrew, which decimated South Florida, Miami homestead where I lived. And, you know, being 14, I think 15 years old and losing all of your things, basically one day your things are there and next day your things are not there is traumatic on many levels. And so Mm -hmm. as much as I have, you know, dealt with that and, and worked through that for whatever reason, and I know what reason the scissors and, and giving those away, it, it just triggered something inside of me of sometimes I like to hold on to stuff because it makes me feel safe because I have lost all of my stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not the stuff. I know it's the security and the safety and the feeling of home. And, and I am by no means a hoarder. And I literally get rid of things every single day. I have a box by the front of the house and we walk around and we get rid of stuff. But there was something about that, that just, I had that trauma response all of these years later. Mm -hmm. And so for people out there that, you know, all of a sudden you're getting upset about something and it's like, haven't I worked through that? Haven't I dealt with that? It's still there. And you might deal with it 95% of the time. And then the one time you're getting in a fight about something that seemingly makes no sense or has no connection, but that's where it stems from. That's what it was triggered from. It's like, you are, you are making me get rid of something that I don't feel comfortable doing. And so it was really beautiful. And my husband is amazing. And we talked through it. And he, I think even though we talked about the hurricane and what that, that effect had on my family and the rest of my childhood, I think because I had the complete breakdown, he truly understood it. He saw it from a raw, compassionate perspective that Mm -hmm. he had never seen it from. And maybe I had never shared it from. Yeah. Cause you can unconsciously, you know, think you shared something, think right. you went as deep as you need to go with somebody, but it's not until they, that emotion is palpable that right. they really <laughs> that you understand can't it. speak and you're crying so much. <laughs> yeah. You're having a, a complete break over scissors, you know, something seemingly minuscule, but to you and that little girl inside that lost everything it's the biggest thing that happened that day. 
you know, and that's, it's just having that compassion. And I'm love, I love that you have a partner that supports you like that because not everybody does, you know, and it's very, very hard to find that, that divine masculine to help support your divine feminine. Again, it goes back to the balance. So it's not just the balance within yourself. It's the balance within your relationships too, you know? And that's just such a beautiful thing to have that, to have that balance and that mirror for him to be like, whoa, what's going on for you to take, be able to acknowledge that, whoa, this isn't normal. Right, this right. This is not my average response to getting rid of something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And yeah, I mean, we went through that in my marriage too, because my, my ex had a lot of trauma growing up. He did not come from a good home he was so used to having to up and leave and couch surf and everything else until we got together that he started holding on to things. He did that where the most minuscule things became so important to him. And me, I never had that experience. So I'm you know, getting rid of stuff left and right, trying to clean out, trying to downsize. I don't like to hold on to a lot of things. That was something that we butted heads on a lot. I, I didn't understand it. And then it clicked and went, clicked one day when he had this whole breakdown about getting rid of something. Or I, I think I had cleaned off his desk or something and organized because I can't stand clutter and you know having things all over the place but he's of the mindset where if it's not in front of his face, he doesn't remember it. Right. It's a very object permanence thing. We got in a huge, huge fight about that. And it was, it was me realizing that how different our, our upbringings were. You know, I have my level of trauma from my upbringing. He has his level of trauma. And, you know, a lot of what failed us was we couldn't, couldn't find that healthy balance. Mm-hmm. of how to help each other and the willingness to get help wasn't there so yeah that's it's a beautiful thing to to have that have that balance in your life you know definitely and and again it stems in my case certainly from within I have to continue to cultivate it I have to continue to choose it, to talk about it, to model it, to, you know, if I get upset, say, okay, the reason I'm upset is because of this and this and this and follow that chain back so that he, my children understand and see that that same process is happening within themselves. And Mm -hmm. the, the more they can learn themselves, the more they can know themselves, the more they can love themselves the better suited they will be for all time, regardless of a relationship with anybody else, but just to do that for themselves. People find it weird that I apologize to my children. People find that strange Mm. that I would even think to consider my children's feelings like that. You know, like, oh, mom, mommy got a little too angry. I'm sorry that I yelled. You know, you didn't deserve that. It's nothing you did, you know mommy's mommy's having a rough day right you know that kind of how thing. else would they learn to apologize if they never heard anybody apologize? exactly so you're not yeah. so I don't want them because I grew up apologizing out of fear right mm-hmm. I don't want that for them yeah I don't want them to be forced to apologize for something I want them to know when is appropriate and when's not you know and not to, to go around life, people pleasing and saying, sorry, all the time. Yeah. People like I could go so deep into people pleasing and generational trauma. And, well, you <laughs> definitely have to come back and we need okay. to do a part two, because this has been such a beautiful conversation. I feel lit up in so many ways. So grateful for you coming on and sharing so vulnerably. So authentically and how can everybody find you and work with you and learn more about you yeah so thank you for that reflection 
Um, this has been wonderful. And I'm, I'm all lit up and like giggly too. I love, I love that when I feel like, when I feel like a little girl, like, oh, I just got a new Barbie, like that, <laughs> you know, that kind of happiness. And that's, what's like coursing through me right now. So I love it. Yeah. I'm happy to come back anytime. So if you would like to connect with me, I have uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's at uh, conjured glow. And all one word, if you want to do any of my classes or anything like that, my link tree is in the bios for both. So you can connect with me through there. I will definitely be linking everything. This has been amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open dot two dot alchemy that's open the word t-o alchemy or at my website open to alchemy.com see you next time